Greetings, I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, The Biblical Principles Governing the Eyes. Uh, this is lesson number 27, and we have we've covered a lot of ground in these previous lessons, but now in these last few lessons, the direction is shifting, and the Lord is now going to be calling us to do certain things. Rather than not do certain things, he's going to call us to do certain things. And so let's get right into this. The, uh, the title of this lesson is, Are We Fellowshipping with Light or Darkness? Are we fellowshipping with light or darkness? Like every other generation, we must choose whether or not we fellowship with light or darkness. It's every single individual's choice. They make it whether they know they make it or not. Because to choose to fellowship with light is a conscious choice. You can't do it vicariously. You can't do it accidentally. You don't do it by osmosis. You have to purposely choose to fellowship with light. Nobody accidentally goes to heaven. Nobody backs their way into heaven. If you go to heaven, you do it on purpose. And you go to heaven on purpose because you choose on purpose to fellowship with the Lord and his light and not fellowship with darkness. We will choose. You and I will choose. Even when we're not consciously choosing, we are choosing. We do choose. We will either choose to love the light and the things that belong to the light, or we will choose to love the darkness and the things that belong to the darkness. But we will choose. And I cannot live in both light and darkness and fellowship with Jesus. The problem is this, for those who choose darkness over light, the Bible says they're already condemned. I'm reading for you, beginning in John chapter 3, verse 16, the verse that almost everybody in the world knows, maybe not everybody in the world, but it seems like it sometimes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen to this carefully. For God sent not his son uh, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, wait, 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 wait. Condemned? Condemned. What does the word condemn mean? Well, a man on death row waiting for execution is a condemned man, a man condemned to die. The person being transported to prison is a condemned person. They are going to prison. So what does it mean that he, he that believeth on him is not condemned? He that believeth not is condemned already. It means You've been arrested for crime. You have, the evidence has been presented. You've been tried. The, uh, the, the verdict is in and you've been found guilty and your sentence has been pronounced. Well, that's true. You see, for all of us across the board, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none good, no, not one. There's none righteous, no, not one. The word of God says that and it's true. He that is offended in one point of the law is guilty of all the law. Every one of us needs a Savior. We need someone to redeem us from the penalty or the sentence of our condemnation. 
But because God robed himself in flesh and caused his own flesh as innocent to die on the cross in our place for our sins, the problem is this judgment, condemnation, is not really going to come after death or after the resurrection. There's going to be the judgment seat of Christ, yes. And there's going to be the great white throne of judgment, yes. But the actual trial takes place here. And we're a part of that trial, you see. We're here as a part of that trial. That's what this is, is going on here. So God tells, shows his love for us, gives us the opportunity because if we believe on him and obey his word and receive what he has for us, knowing that we cannot save ourselves, then we're not condemned. We are, we are, we are delivered from the trial and from its consequences, eternal death. But get this, he that does not believe, and the word believe there doesn't mean mental assent. It means to completely give yourself to the Lord, trusting in Him to save you because you cannot save yourself, obeying His voice, keeping His word, etc., etc., etc. Those that don't believe on Him is condemned already. Why? Because He hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Why? Because the name is salvation. Neither is there salvation any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. How are we saved by the name? We call on the name of Jesus for our sins to be forgiven in repentance. We have the name of Jesus put upon us in water baptism so that the blood can be applied and wash away all of our sins. So that's all taken care of. And it is the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus, that comes into us when we're received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So you can't separate the name from salvation. But those in darkness who love the darkness are condemned already because they haven't believed in the only begotten Son of name of the only begotten Son of God. And here it is, verse 19. And this is the condemnation. This is the evidence that produced the, this, the verdict Guilty that caused the sentence to be pronounced. This is the condemnation. It's not God condemning men to go to hell. This condemnation comes from man himself by his own actions. This is the condemnation. That light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. There is pleasure in sin for a season. There is pleasure in sin for a season. It's pleasure. The Bible doesn't deny that. God doesn't deny that. The church doesn't deny that. There's pleasure in sin for a season. But it's a very short-lived season. And the eternal consequences for these few moments of sin are unimaginable. Nobody can truly describe hell and the hopelessness of that unending torment because light came and you choose, chose to stay in darkness. What's the reason? For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Everyone that does evil hates the light. 
Again, I said in a previous video, think of all the stuff that people don't do till it gets dark. People don't go out to bars in the middle of the day to pick somebody up. People don't have drunken parties for the most part in the middle of the daytime. Only those that are in extreme of it. It's not the way it is. Because the dark covers, we think. Well, it may cover from other humans, but it never covers from God. Dark, the Bible says darkness and light are both alike to him. He sees just as good in our darkness as he does in our light. Just as well. So, <sighs> men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. I want God to shine his light into every small crevice and corner in my heart. I want him to let me see his what he's showing us about me. I, what he's showing me about me, I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to know what it is. Because if I don't acknowledge it, I can't see that it's sin. And if I don't see that it's sin... I won't confess it. If I don't confess it, I can't repent and change. So if I'm in the dark and I don't, and I can see my actions in those shadows and they're not clear and distinct. And so I can convince myself they're okay. I can convince myself they're okay, but they're not okay. They're not okay. If I love him, I love light. And if I love light, light shines. And light reveals. And if I love him and I love truth, I love light, I want everything in me revealed that's not pleasing to him. Everything. <coughs> everything. I don't want to leave him to leave me in the dark on some things so that I can do these things in the dark and tell myself I'm still okay with him. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost in whom the God of the world are blind in the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into them. I want the gospel. I want the word. I want the spirit to be a light. I want his word to be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Lord Jesus Christ loves us. He loves us so much he wants to give us good things. The scripture says he will withhold no good things for them that love him. Why am I pursuing things that are not good? There is so much good in the light. Why am I looking in the darkness for stuff? Because that stuff has to hide in the darkness. Because if the light was shined on it, we'd immediately see it's not good. It's not good. Let's go, uh, let's go a little farther here. Light exposes our activities for what they are, good or bad. I know I've said something similar to that, but I'm saying it again here. If I love the light and I have done or am doing wrong, then the light will allow me to see my acts as God sees them. Then I will repent. In the darkness, I can convince myself that something is okay. 
in the darkness, I can convince myself there's nothing wrong with that because I see all these shapes in the darkness and everybody's doing the same thing. That must make it okay. Why is it that there are certain creatures that when the light's turned on, they run? They scatter, they scurry. Why is that? Why is that? These powerful men, powerful men, that were considered so influential over the last few years that all of a sudden women have begun to say, he did this to me and he did this to me. And all of a sudden, in these lives that appeared to be so positive, light was shined. And and the whole perception of that individual changed because of what they learned about that person. Now, if you fear the light because you're afraid of the light revealing who and what you are, then you love you don't love God. If you love God, you love truth. If you love truth, you love light. If you love light, you want it to shine as brightly as it can in your mind, your heart, your soul, your spirit, your life, your activities, everything you're doing. Why? Because If I love the light and have done or am doing wrong, then the light will allow me to see my acts as God sees them. This produces repentance. That's why David said, Against thee and thee only have I son and done this evil in thy sight. Because when I begin to see myself like God sees me, and I see what I'm doing like God sees what I'm doing, then I can say, That's wrong. God help me, forgive me. Change me. I don't want to do that. That's against you. But if it's in the dark and I don't see the light shining on it, I can convince myself that's okay. That's okay. It's not okay. I will in no way be able to be saved if I stay in the darkness, even in the shadows, because I will never see my thoughts, my attitudes, my actions, etc. in God's light. Therefore, I will never repent because I see no wrong. That's why the blind are impenitent and the impenitent are going to be lost. And blindness happens two ways. I could have perfectly good eyes and turn off the lights in this room and there'd be no source of light and I won't be able to see. I wouldn't be able to describe anything in this room to you because the lights would be off. I'd have perfectly good eyes but I can't see, which would be the same thing as someone who has totally bad eyes that lives in dark, true darkness all the time. Even most blind people see light of some kind. Even most blind people see what we call blind, see shapes. There are people legally blind that can actually has devices where they can read. I know legally blind people They drive cars. They're not supposed to, but to do. So the point is this. The lost have no sight. They can't see. They're in the dark because that's all they know is dark. But what if I have had the Lord come into my life and he's given me sight, but I choose to fellowship in the darkness, and then I can't see. And I don't see what I'm doing in the light that allows me to see how God sees what I'm doing. That's that's very, very negative, don't you think? Don't you think that's negative? I think it's very negative. 
Living in the light does not mean I will never sin. That's very important for you to hear that. Living in the light does not mean I will never sin. Uh, let's give Bible for that. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, the point is this. Because of this, because of this. I can be in the light. I can be in, walking in the light. I can be fellowshipping with the light and those that are in the light. And there will be times that I'll slip up. I'll, I'll, I'll do wrong. Wrong word, wrong attitude, wrong thought, or wrong reaction to somebody. Maybe I start off watching a movie I thought was good. And there's bad language. Or there's uh, something I sh- did, shouldn't be watching. I I thought it was good. It turned out not to be good. And I didn't immediately turn it off. I didn't immediately get up and leave the room if I didn't have the authority to turn it off. I don't want those words in my mind. I don't want those images in my mind. I don't want any of that in my heart. But even though I'm in the light and walking in the light, sometimes, sometimes I don't do right. The scripture says the righteous man falls seven times and get us up again. So even the righteous living in this world sometimes does sin. Now, sometimes that sin, we don't identify it as sin. We talk about somebody. We, we, we claim we're just sharing this burden of prayer. Well, if I'm really praying for somebody, I don't have to ask somebody else to pray with me about them to the point that I have to tell them all the gory details of whatever it is I'm praying about. That's a cover for our lies. So there are things I can do or maybe maybe someone else is up preaching and the thought goes through my mind, well, that ought to be you, not them. They, they, they don't really know this subject like you do. Next thing you know, you've crossed the line. See, for a, a believer, for the believer, for the apostolic disciple, sin isn't just what you've done or we've done that we shouldn't have done. 
In fact, the most damaging sins are the things we didn't do that we should have done. Now, I can, I can watch something I shouldn't have watched. I can go repent and praise God. I, the Lord will help me take that out of there. I don't want to go back and whatever. But how do you recover from unprayed prayers? How do those that should have been prayed for recover from unprayed prayers? How does the will of God for that day that would have been done if somebody would have just prayed in faith and obeyed God, how does the will will of God recover for that day from the sin of unprayed prayers? The man of God in the Old Testament said, God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you. God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you. So when we say sin, when you say you have not sinned, you're lying, truth's not in you. He's not talking about just the sins of doing something I shouldn't do or saying something I shouldn't say or whatever. He's talking about the things I should have done that I didn't do that I didn't have time for because I was doing something else. Now, if it's the will of God for me to do this, I don't care who it is. If it's the will of God for me to be doing this right now, and I'm doing this, I don't care who it is. The most pious saint on earth, if it's the will of God for me to be doing this, and I'm over here doing this, I'm sinning. Because to not do the will of God is sin. And I've quoted these verses before. The Lord said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. But I'm going to say, the only ones that are saved are those that do the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say, Lord, we've prophesied in the name, cast out devils, but done many mighty miracles in your name. And he's going to say to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Because I cannot be saved doing my will and not God's will. I can't be saved. And so we read these verses and we think, well, this gives us license to go do something and get forgiven. Well, it it doesn't give us license, but it does give us hope that if we have done something we shouldn't have done, we can be forgiven and saved. But this also, this also gives us hope for when there are things we didn't do that we should have done, which are the most devastating things that a believer can do as sin. The greatest sins that believers commit are not the things that they shouldn't do that they did, but the things they shouldn't should do that they didn't. So he said, if we walk in the light, and we're walking in the light, and yet we say we have no sin, we have sin. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar, and, the tr- and his word is not in us. Now, going back to that last scriptures I read in the Gospel of John about he that believeth is not condemned, and he that believeth not is condemned already. That's what these next two verses, John, 1 John 2, 1 and 2, are talking about. My little children, these things I write, write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, he have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The Lord Jesus Christ is not just our Savior, he's our also our lawyer. Because his actions pleaded our case so that if we believe in him, he not only pleaded our case 
so that we could be forgiven, but he stepped in and took our penalty so we could be forgiven. That's why it says, and he is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He is our advocate in verse 1, our lawyer in verse 1, and he is the one that paid the penalty for our sins in verse 2. In closing out this lesson, I'd like to read these scriptures. Uh, It's a little bit of a lengthy reading. Uh, from Weiss, and Weiss is a little more difficult to follow when it's being read out loud, but I'll try to be more deliberate so that you can follow it. And it, First uh, John 1, 5, and it is this message which we have heard from him, and that present is ringing in our ears, and we are bringing back tidings to you, that God as to his nature is light, and darkness in him does not exist, not even one particle. If we say that things in common, if we say that things in common we are having with him and thus fellowship and in the sphere of the aforementioned darkness are habitually ordering our behavior, we are lying and we do not, we are not doing the truth. I'm going to read that one more time. If we say that the things in common we are having with him and thus fellowship with him, and in the sphere of the aforementioned darkness are habitually ordering our behavior, we're lying and we're not doing the truth. We say that we're his, but we're constantly fellowshipping with darkness and the works of darkness. We're lying. We're lying. But if within the sphere of the light, we are habitually ordering our behavior as he himself is in the light, things in common and thus fellowship we, the believer in God, are having with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, keeps continually cleansing us from every sin. Just like my body, the blood goes through my body and is constantly taking oxygen and fuel to the cells and then taking away the, the, the waste products of life back to be disposed of from the body. Just like that's happening. The blood of Jesus, when I'm in fellowship with him and in fellowship with the body of Christ because the blood is in the body. So I can't just, I can't fellowship with Jesus without fellowshipping with the body. And Christ is, the church is Christ's body according to Ephesians chapter one. So I can't fellowship with Christ without fellowshipping with the body and the blood is in the body. So if I have continued fellowship with him and his body in the sphere of light as a part of his body, his blood is constantly cleansing me. Verse 8, if we say that indwelling sin we are not having, ourselves we are leading astray, nobody else, and the truth is not in us. If we keep telling ourselves, this is okay, the Lord understands, you know, this is all right, you know, I, I have needs or whatever it may be. We're lying to ourselves. If we continue to confess our sins, notice it talks about any time there's a sin. When should I repent? When should I confess or repent? The moment I acknowledge I've done something wrong and I acknowledge it as wrong, I need to confess or repent right then. I don't have to wait till a church service. I don't have to wait for a prayer meeting. I should confess right then. Why? Because the blood wants to constantly cleanse me. But how does he constantly cleanse me of sin I'm not constantly repenting for? If we continue to confess our sins, 
Faithful is he and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from every unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned and are now in the state where we do not sin, a liar we are making him and his word is not in us. So, do you get that? If we say that we have not sinned and that we're now in a state where we never sin, we're a liar. And we're making him a liar. And his word is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, born born ones, or barns, barns, uh, however you pronounce that, B-A-I-R-N-S. These things I'm writing to you in order that you may not commit an act of sin. He didn't write any of these things to say to us, it's okay to sin, it's okay It's never okay to sin. Never. And since so much sin starts with the eyes, it's never okay to watch stuff that is darkness. It's never okay. So I'm I'm writing to, to you in order that you may not commit an act of sin. If anyone commits an act of sin, one who pleads our cause, we constantly have facing the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. My little children, born ones, these things I am writing to you in order that you may not commit an act of sin. And if anyone commits an act of sin, one who pleads our cause, we constantly have facing the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he himself is an Expiatory, expiatory, expiatory satisfaction for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. Expiatory, expiatory. What does that mean? Someone that's standing in in our place. So he gave himself for us, the innocent for the guilty. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He did that. And his sacrifice that he made for us was accepted of the Father. The sacrifice of the man Christ Jesus on the cross was acceptable for the fa- to the Father. The giving of his life, the suffering, and the shedding of blood for us in our place was acceptable to the Father so that we could be saved. And in this, he is calling us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I pray today that the Lord has spoken to you in this lesson. and That you and I, by the grace of God, could understand how critical it is to not habitually live in sin. And that not, we would also understand that the sin that we need not to walk in is not just the sin of what we commit but the sins that we owe, of the things we omit. Because while I'm over here doing the things of darkness, I'm not doing the things of light. And it is just if not as much, if not more, sin to me for the things of light I'm not doing as it is the things of darkness that I am doing. I want you to think about the souls that God has ordained and intended for you and I to reach that could possibly go to hell because we're too busy doing what we shouldn't be doing and therefore not doing what we should be doing. 
Every time somebody gets saved, somebody had to be in the right place at the right time with the right word to speak to them so that faith would be created by God in their hearts. How beautiful are the feet of them bring tidings of good things. Who shall believe our report? How beautiful are those feet that bring the good tidings of good things. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach except they be sent? That preaching there is not talking about what we call a preacher in a pulpit. It's talking about every child of God with God in them and with truth in their life who is a conduit for God to proclaim good news to a lost person. We need to be faithful to God so that those of this world who need Him and want to be saved but don't know how to be saved can find a way out of darkness into His light. God bless you in Jesus' name.